me ask you a, a big question today. One of the problems when you go away for a couple of weeks, you lying on the beach, you get to cogitate these big questions of life. What is God like? What is God like? I am expecting an answer here to these big questions. What's he like? He's not a bad sort of person. That's just as well. Forgiving? Although some people in the Old Testament might think he was a bad kind of person, but forgiving? What else? Loving? Faithful? Gracious? Constant? Patient? Holy? Sorry? Non-interfering? Hmm, discuss. I think I'll rewrite the sermon. I see on that one. Do we serve an interfering God? What else? Non-interventional. Mm. Punctual. Always on time. That's a good one. Okay. See, the juices are flowing now. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Perhaps you'll be able to think of some more answers to that. You know, we've been looking together in the book of Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Before we uh, read, let's pray together. Lord, as we look into your word again today, we ask that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want our words, we don't want our thoughts, we want your thoughts through your word. So speak again, for we open our hearts and our minds to receive Holy Spirit from you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I started to, to think about this a few weeks ago, uh, the first four words of Ephesians chapter 5 that we're looking at today are, are maybe the scariest words in the whole of the Bible. Have you seen them already? It says, be imitators of God. All those things that you've just spoken about, the characteristics of God, it says here in his word that you are to imitate those. Be imitators of God. As I've thought about those words, I've thought, my goodness, like, how do we do that? If you think back over your last week, how many times can you count where you would say, actually, right in that situation, I was an imitator of God. Can you think? I mean, I was sitting on a beach. You know, how much sin can you get into sitting on a beach? You know, like, I was lying there contemplating these things. All was great with the world. But I look back and I think, was I an imitator of God last week? And yet the Bible says, be Imitators of God. Everything that Paul has said before in the book of Ephesians that, that God had wanted us to read about being connected with him, about there being no division, about being his people on earth, his witnesses. He summarizes it here and be imitators of God. And then he carries on in the rest of chapter 5 or the, the next part of it at least to, to sort of outline what that would look like. He picks up on some characteristics and he said, if you want to be an imitator of God, this, this is what you need to, to do. 
this is what it would look like in your life. Because God is so vast, how can we hope to, to kind of en- encapsulate all of that in our thinking? So let's look together at what he says and, and start to, to focus on ourselves and say, is that really like me? Am I an imitator of God? He says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be the hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Let's stop there for a minute. What Paul does here is he kind of, uh, it's like a tennis match, if you like. He says, on the positive side, this is what it's like to be an imitator of God. And then he goes over to the negative, or sometimes he starts with the negative, and this, he says, is what it's not like to be an imitator of God. So if you, if he, he does the two opposite sides. So it's like a tennis match with the ball going backwards and forwards. So here he first says, to be an imitator of God, you have to live a life of godly love. That means your life needs to be, he says, as Christ loved us. Our life needs to be as one of service to others, of selflessness, of sacrifice, he says, because Christ gave himself up for us. He sacrificed himself. One John, he says, greater love is no one than he lays down his life for a friend. And he says, in that way, you then become a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. A life of godly love is a life that is outwardly focused. It's not focused on me. Look at the the converse to that, sexual immorality, greed, impurity. That's all about me. That's about what I want. That's about satisfying my needs in the way that I want to satisfy them. Greed is is just looking at something that I don't have, isn't it? And saying, I want that for myself. Sexual immorality, I'm not being satisfied. So I'm going to go out and satisfy it. I'm going to take it from someone else. Impurity, the same thing. I want, I want, I want. That's all about inward focus. Where he says, you know, our lives, if we're going to be imitators of God, we need a focus that's outward just as Christ was. Philippians, he said, didn't he? He humbled himself, gave himself to us. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but came down, offered himself as a servant to each one of us. You want to be an imitator of God? Make sure your focus is outward and not inward. Let's carry on because we we can't stop too long in each, each passage, but Verses 4 and 5, he says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He says, live a life of thanksgiving. You know what the easiest way to tell where a person is at? Is what comes out of their mouth. You know, Jesus said it in, in Luke 6, Luke 6, 45. And it's so true. Luke 6, 45, he says this, The good man brings good things up out of the good stored up in his heart. And the heart, the, remember, is the center of who we really are. But the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth, speaks. 
listen to what people say. You know, one, th- one time I was getting a, a little bit discouraged. And I remember it was a Friday afternoon. You know, some Friday afternoons, you just kind of reach the end of your ability to actually accomplish much in the work front. And I was there one Friday afternoon, and I sat down. And I was feeling a little bit discouraged, and I, I thought, you know what? It just came to me, like, let me make a list of the discouragers in my life. And I sat down, and I wrote out a list of all the people who, out of the, their heart, just brought discouragement. It was a fascinating exercise to do. I'd encourage you all to do it. And I'm not talking about individual, like we all get discouraged and we all say things, you know, we're not feeling well and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, woe is me. I'm talking about people in your life that just constantly bring out negative things. Constantly bring out discouragement. Those people which, which Jesus described in Luke, out of the heart just keeps coming up negativity. And I made a list of them because what happened was I suddenly realized that, you know what, I'm starting to listen to these people. And actually, what happened was then I suddenly realized that I shouldn't be surprised if they start being negative to me or they continue to be negative to me because actually they're negative in and of themselves. Out of their heart is just churning out this stuff. So I stopped listening to some of those people in my life. And I started listening to those that actually were more encouraging and building up. Not necessarily means that they were never critical towards what I'm doing or never said anything that was, in a sense, negative. But it was always said in a constructive kind of a way. It was always said because out of their heart they were trying to build me up, trying to make me better than I am today. I would encourage you to do the same thing because... Here in the Bible, it says, you want to be an imitator of God, there'll be thanksgiving. How can we not be thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ? Even Jesus, there he's on the cross, he's being thankful to God. When bad things are happening, still there's that thanksgiving. Why? Because you know you're a child of God. You know what Jesus Christ has done for you. We remember it every single week in the bread and the wine. How can we not be people of thanksgiving? Yes, we may be going through difficult times in our lives and challenges. But actually at the core of who we are, we should be the most thankful people around. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, you wouldn't be having the foolish talk, the obscenity, the coarse joking. All that kind of negative things. People who are walking with Jesus Christ. People who seek to be imitators of God are filled with thanksgiving. Out of their mouth comes thanksgiving. They can't help themselves because it comes out of the core of who they are, their connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Surround yourself with people like that because they will help you to grow. They will nurture you and encourage you. Yes, they may challenge you sometimes, and that's good. But they will do it in a way that's encouraging, nurturing, helping you. And they will stir within you those same feelings, those same core things that that help you to be an encouraging and a thankful person too. Be a person of thanksgiving. 
as you imitate God. Let's carry on. Verse 6 and 7. He says, Let no one deceive you because of empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. He says, Live a life of wise obedience. Don't let anybody deceive you with empty words because they are disobedient. And disobedience ends up with God's anger coming upon them. You just think back at the moment in my, in my own reading, I'm going back through the Old Testament reading about the people of Israel. And it's so interesting, isn't it, in the people of Israel with Moses leading them out into the wilderness. It's all about obedience and disobedience. It's about Moses' own obedience and disobedience. Do you remember why he doesn't, isn't allowed to actually go into the promised land? Because God said, speak to the rock. And instead of speaking to it, he got his staff and he walloped the rock. And God says, I didn't tell you to wallop the rock. I told you to speak to the rock. You listen and you do what I say. And the people of Israel had to learn that over the 40 years. They got to Kadesh Barnea, didn't they? And then they sent the spies out and they all came back and they went, Whoa, we can't take over these people. They're too big. They're all kind of Brian Curry height and beyond, you know? That's how big they are. They're huge. You know, and we can't manage them. They're massive. Except for Caleb and Joshua. And they had fear in their hearts. And God said, they, Caleb said and Joshua said, No, God, God will give us the victory. He's promised it to us. But they were disobedient. They went their own way. They continually went their own way. And so they all had to die in the wilderness and come back in a big circle back to that same place. And then before they could go into the promised land. Obedience is critical to blessing. Just as Moses needed to be obedient, so we need to be obedient. If you want the blessing of God in your life, you need to be obedient to him. If we want the blessing of God in this church, we need to be obedient to him. If we are disobedient, the blessing of God vanishes straight away. It's true right throughout the pages of scripture. Every person, every situation that you read in. When they're obedient to the leading of God, then you see the power of God at work in that situation. When they're disobedient, you see the results and the mess that's often caused. You want to be somebody that's an imitator of God, be obedient. Jesus was obedient even to death upon the cross. In the garden when he was wrestling with those thoughts, he said, but not my will but yours be done. In all things. And it's the same for you and for me. You want to be an imitator of God? Be obedient to what he tells you to do. Let's carry on. Verse 8 to 14. For, now, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That's why it said, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Firstly, he talks about us being children of light, about being people who are, uh, are ex- just living in goodness, in choosing the good, the good not just for ourselves, but for others as well. For the fruit of light, verse 9, consists in all goodness, in righteousness, in living in a right relationship with God. And when we live in a right relationship with God, then that flows out into all our other relationships as well. For living in the truth, the truth of God's word, living in our lives, seeking to follow it. It says, always seeking to do. Find out, verse 10, what pleases the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, do you say, Lord, what is it you want me to do today? What is going to bring you pleasure today? And when we do that, we live with an openness. So we don't have to live in fear. It's not like we're, we're cowering in the night. But we live in openness. We, we live unashamed. In Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed to talk about our faith with others. We're not ashamed to express it. We're not ashamed to, to, to share it with other people. We don't have to hide our faith. Say, so, well, it's personal to me. I'm not, I'm not going to share it with anyone. The Bible says it's never personal. It's there. It's open. It's to be shared with everyone else. Just as the people of Israel were supposed to be a beacon, Jesus calls us yeast, doesn't he? He calls us light. He calls us, so, he calls us all these things that are supposed to be seen. He said, you don't put a light and, and hide it. What's the point of that? You let it shine out so that everyone can see. What's the point in being an imitator of God if you keep it to yourself and you hide away in your own room? You are an imitator of God just as Jesus was as you walk and as you talk and as it becomes just part of your everyday life. And then 15 to 17, as we just read, he said, live as wise followers of Christ. Be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. We're followers. We're not leaders. It's not what I want to do, but it's what God wants me to do. It's not about my opportunities. It's about what God gives as opportunities. Understand what the Lord's will is. We need to understand what God is asking of us individually and as a church together. And then we follow that. That's what it means, it says, to be imitators of God. Live lives full of love, outwardly focused. Live lives full of thanksgiving. What's coming out of your heart inside? Is it praising to God? Is it lifting other people up? Is it encouraging? Live lives of obedience. Make it your primary focus when you wake up tomorrow morning God, I give you today, I want to be obedient to you today. Show me how to be obedient. What do you want me to do? Live lives of openness. Allow people to see who you are. To see Jesus Christ within you. And live lives as wise followers. Following his lead. His opportunities. 
making the most of everything you do. How, how do we do that? Well, I think there are two things. Firstly, recognize that you are dearly loved children of God. Look at verse 1. He says, be imitators because you are dearly loved children of God. And in verse 20 at the end, we'll get to it in a minute, but he calls God our Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that relationship with God. We are his children. We're not just followers. We're not just adherents. We're not, we are children. We're part of the family. God lives inside of us. That's the new covenant that we celebrate in the bread and the wine. This is my blood of the new covenant that I live inside of you. And because he lives in there, he gives us the strength and the power to work out and to be imitators of God. Look what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And the tennis ball goes back the other side. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do it? Well, we do it through the presence of God's Holy Spirit living in us. You cannot wake up in the morning, you can try if you want, and use this list as a tick box exercise and say, let me see if I can do this today. Let me see if I can live a life today of godly love, of thanksgiving, of obedience, of of showing the light, of openness, of being a wise follower. You can't really do that in your own strength. You do that as you allow the Spirit of God to flow through you and to become part more and more of you. The actual, in the Greek here, it's, it's describing a wind that's blowing a sailing ship along. As I was lying on the beach last week and the week before, I saw these sailing ships getting blown along. Now, some of them are in the harbor, aren't they? They don't even have the uh, sails up. They're just bobbing up and down on the water, going nowhere. But when you want to go somewhere, what do you do? You put the sail up and you catch the wind. The wind's always blowing. But it doesn't mean to say the boat is necessarily moving unless you turn the sail into the wind and you catch it. The Spirit of God is like that. It's what it's describing here. Be filled with the Spirit. In other words, let the wind, let your sail catch the wind that it's already blowing. The wind is there. The Spirit is blowing. You just need to catch it. And the more that you catch it, the more you will become imitators of God. It's not something we have to kind of consciously do in a sense. It's just something that comes naturally to us as we open ourselves up to God and as we allow him to catch that spirit or, or we, we catch the spirit that's blowing constantly around us, in us and through us. Let me give you just a real simple example. We're on holiday. We're there, we sit in our, in our room and we are out on the balcony and we're having our prayer time together in the morning. And Enika prayed and she said, Lord, today, show me someone that I can show the love of Christ to. In whatever way you want, just show me someone. 
So we finished our prayer time and off we went for the day and we, we went that day to go uh, snorkeling. We took a boat trip up, uh, we're on Crete, and we took a boat trip up, the, uh, up, up and uh, went snorkeling in some caves and everything. It was really idyllic. And uh, we had three stops on the boat trip. One was up to this old monastery that was there and uh, we, we looked around there and we could snorkel around and so on. And then we went down to these, where these caves were on the last stop. And we got out the boat and I, I started swimming off. And I'm not the greatest swimmer in the world. If you've ever seen me swim, I'm kind of, well, anyway, let's not go there. So I'm swimming away with my snorkel, with my head under the water, looking at all these fish and everything. It was fantastic. And we're heading off towards this cave. Inika's there swimming around. And then all of a sudden, she sees out of the corner of her eye this guy that's in trouble. He's shouting out, how far is it to get to this cave? And his arms are up here. Now, I know enough about swimming to know that your arms are not supposed to be out the water up here. And he's shouting away, and, he, and he's obviously got respiratory trouble. And he can't breathe properly. So she goes around. I'm still focusing on my swimming. I'm like looking a bit far for me even. But she goes around and she starts helping this guy, pulls him over, gets him into the cave where he can stand up and there was a ledge in the rocks under the water and you could stand on it and he could get his breath back. There wasn't a big fanfare. There wasn't a big you know, thing about it. But that guy was panicking in the water. And Inika was there and was able, because she's such a good swimmer, to help him to lift him out. She stayed with him the whole time. The rest of us went off to the other caves. She said, I'm going to stay here with him, make sure he's okay, and then get him safely back on the boat again. And so she swam back with him, got him back onto the boat. And at the end of the day, he came over to her and he said, thank you so much for helping me in the water. I was really starting to panic. That's what it is when you pray and you just say, God... Here I am, I'm available. Your spirit is blowing, just blow through me today and enable me to become an imitator of God. He will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to show the love of God to the people around you. It's just a simple thing. But it was a profound thing to that person. It wasn't a big fanfare, she didn't make a big deal about it, nobody else needed to really know about it. But to that individual, she was able to show the love of Jesus Christ in a practical way when he needed help and be able to talk to him afterwards. God wants you to be an imitator of him. Isn't that what Jesus did? He just went around his daily business and people came to him or he saw someone in need and he went out and he met their need. He wants you and me to do the same. That's what it is to be an imitator of God. That's what it means to catch the wind of that spirit that is blowing all around us. If only we'll open our sail up enough to catch it to be open enough to be used by him. And when you do that, when you allow that spirit to go, then you have those testimonies after testimonies of the ways in which God and the encouragement that that brings to yourself and to others around you, that you see how God has used you and continues to flow through you to bring him honor and glory.
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Those words are scary words, be imitators of God, and yet we can't do that in our own strength. We can only do that as you, Holy Spirit of God, flow through us. And I love the way you do that in such small, simple ways. Lord, you just use the gifts and abilities. You use our openness. You use our willingness to be used by you in just different ways to bring encouragement and and hope and help and just the right thing at the right time in people's lives. Lord, continue to use us. May our sails be open to the fullness of your spirit. You are blowing. We just need to catch you and allow you to, to take us where you want us to be. Lord, I pray this week that we would be imitators of you, open to be used by you, each day offering ourselves afresh as a living sacrifice to you, allowing your spirit to use us however you want to, in whatever situation, for your honor and glory. For we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.